This is Politico Energy. I'm Annie Snyder. Fulfilling President Joe Biden's goals for reducing carbon emissions won't just take a massive build-out of more wind, solar, and other renewable energy. It would also require a bunch of big new transmission lines to take all that power from where it's produced to where it's used. Proponents say those lines would bring another benefit, too. Helping the power stay on during intense storms and natural disasters like Hurricane Ida six weeks ago, which left thousands of people in Louisiana without power for days. But utility companies hold a great deal of sway when it comes to planning those new lines, and they're not always on board. Someone has to pay for these big, expensive transmission lines, and for a lot of utilities, they don't necessarily see a huge benefit to building out a really big regional line uh, if the cost incentives aren't in place. Today, my colleague Catherine Morehouse breaks down the hurdle utility companies are posing to major new transmission infrastructure and how that's impacting the Biden administration's quest for a zero-carbon power grid. It's Wednesday, October 27th. So Catherine, I hear a lot about transmission. Tell us why these big new transmission lines that Congress and uh, regulators are discussing are so important. Yeah, so those transmission lines are thought to be really critical to achieving President Biden's decarbonization goals because those lines have the capability to bring large amounts of renewable energy power from remote areas where those resources are sited into more high-density urban areas. And so it's kind of seen as a way to take all these intermittent and spread out resources and you know, make them a little bit more centralized and make sure that they're they're reaching people efficiently. So, th- so those same lines are also pretty important for reliability, right? But you've reported that incumbent utilities haven't always been keen on making that happen. So why, why not? Right. Yeah. So the reason that they're important for grid reliability is, you know, during times of, for instance, an intense storm, then you could be bringing in power from other regions where where generators are still going um if a generator is, is uh knocked down in a in in a certain region and so the issue with building out these massive transmission lines is one in part of cost allocation someone has to pay for these big expensive transmission lines they get you know a certain return for smaller uh, transmission lines, more local projects, but there's less incentive to to do one of these bigger projects that could benefit more people. But it's unclear who exactly bears those costs. Hmm. Okay, so there's a cost element to it, and there's also a competitive element, right? Right, and those things are related in a lot of regions of the country. An incumbent transmission owner owns the entire transmission process. So they're the one who controls, you know, when, how these lines are built. Uh, And in other parts of the country, there are more competitive processes uh, where you can have, you know, transmission developers come in and, and build a line. So the tension exists in, in regions where there is, Um, kind of the less competitive uh, way to bring transmission online. And in those instances, the incumbent utility wouldn't want to see some other developer come in and say, you know, we can build this line, uh, this big interregional line for cheaper, because then the utility wouldn't, wouldn't get the return on that line. Hmm. So you've looked at this issue through the lens of Entergy, the big power company that took a lot of heat in the wake of Hurricane Ida a few months ago, um, when a huge swath of New Orleans area was without power for multiple days or weeks. Uh, So 
wasn't one of the big takeaways from that disaster that they needed to boost infrastructure? What's going on there now? Yeah, one of the takeaways was that, okay, we should have had stronger transmission infrastructure. And one thing that some people pointed to was that this energy is in this region, this this regional transmission organization that, that, that is supposed to facilitate these longer range regional transmission projects. But what's happened in MISO is none of those projects have been able to move forward because Entergy has been really oppositional to those projects. And Entergy says, you know, we we oppose these projects because they'll really raise costs for customers and, and we're worried about that. And folks who really want to see those transmission lines built say, well, I think that perhaps this is a broader incentive problem that that the U.S. faces. Okay. So where is FERC in all of this? They're ultimately in the driver's seat when it comes to transmission infrastructure, aren't they? They are. And so actually in their last ruling on transmission, Order 1000, FERC tried to open up competition in the region and investor-owned utility trade group Edison Electric Institute actually points to this rule and says, you know, this is a sign that that competitive generation doesn't work. This, This rule clearly didn't work and therefore competitive generation doesn't work. Other people say that Order 1000 didn't go far enough and that FERC should go farther in kind of separating the incentives of utilities and these transmission lines and and making the competitive process for transmission more universal. Hmm. So this all sounds really messy when you think about the Biden administration's big goals, both in terms of amount of renewable energy generation that they want and how quickly they want it. Where does this all leave those goals? What what are advocates saying needs to be done? Are there um, do you do you see this getting entangled in a, in a fast enough way to bring those goals to fruition? Right. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to what FERC will do and how FERC will respond, and whether FERC agrees with with advocates that more competition is needed in those regions or whether they think, you know what, utilities are actually the most effective way to get these lines built. We just need to shift the incentives, you know, slightly in order to get them more on board. It, it'll come down to how far FERC wants to go to kind of challenge that incumbent model. Also, Methane fee provisions are still on the table for potential inclusion in Democrats' reconciliation package, according to Senator Tom Carper. The Delaware Democrat has led efforts to impose a fee on methane emissions, a potent greenhouse gas, as part of the bill. He told reporters Tuesday that the negotiations were still ongoing, despite reports that the fee had been stripped out due to resistance from moderate lawmakers like Senator Joe Manchin and resistance from the oil and gas industry. Opponents say the fee would be too costly for industry when it's combined with an upcoming EPA rule also aimed at cracking down on methane. That rule is expected to be proposed before the end of the week. But progressive Democrats and Greens have made curbing methane a top goal as Biden prepares to head to Scotland later this week for international climate negotiations. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music on today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, I'm Annie Snyder, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.